And welcome back to Fully Equipped. Jonathan Ball joined by two of my favorite guys, Uncle Gene, RB. Boys, I would ask how you're doing. I, I, I'm genuinely curious, but I don't know if anybody else out there really cares. I think they all want to hear us talk about the biggest story in golf, one that I, I will admit I never saw coming. That would be a PGA Tour in Live Golf merger. I can't believe I'm even saying that. It, what the hell just happened? Well, I, I can tell you one thing. I just finished an eight-hour drive from Bergen, Norway to Oslo, Norway. Completely radio silence. I'm sitting there, by the way, one of the most stunning drives I've ever had in my entire life, going through these fjords, going up over these snow-capped mountains. And I pull into the hotel, and I see 500 texts and all of these news things. And the first thing I thought was, I don't subscribe to The Onion. There's no way. <laughs> Because <laughs> it said live oh, golf versus yeah. the PGA, and I was like, I was like, who's goofing on me? This this can't be real. Yeah, I, th- I think if I think if we look at this uh, right now, um, it's it's funny because like you know you're just you're literally like drinking from a fire hose of like information right now, and then like jokes and all kinds of stuff, and it does it does feel like success. It feels like succession right now, where it definitely does like the money one. Like the money just won. Like Kendall is Rory right now. Always wins. He's just like, no, no, no. no. We got the votes. We're going to take this thing. We're going to get them. Like this deal is dead. And then the next thing you know, like Gojo comes in with like all the money and just says, listen, it's over. doesn't matter. It's over. And not only that, but like people have to remember, this is the thing where like, if I'm going to get into it, like right off the bat here, you know, who's screaming into a pillow right now? Is Andy Gardner, who who offer, offered the PGA Tour the Premier Golf League, and said this is a framework where you can create a for profit system to benefit your players, to benefit yourself. You can remain a five hundred one six C. Hopefully, I got that right, and be able to like maintain this thing. But we're going to be over here so we can benefit these other players. And he's like, no, no, no. Didn't even take a meeting, and then you know the. Liv comes in with Norman, which is obviously like big fan favorite of everybody's over there at the PGA Tour, and comes in and with like the the piff and everything else, and just comes in with all the money and just comes in the back door and just waits and just waits and waits and waits and waits them out and boom, it's over. And it's like, God, if he just took the meeting, like if he just like, and this is where and you, you're seeing it a lot on Twitter right now. And I know this is like a reactionary podcast. At least the beginning part of this is going to be about this. Is like. How are players not asking? And they are. They are asking for like Jay Monahan's head on a freaking stick right now. I mean, I would. This is insane. This is the most stunning. So before we start unpacking all this, or at least what we know, in which is not a whole lot because it's it's just coming out. But the PJ Tour, Live Golf, and the DP World Tour have all merged into a new for-profit entity, which is important because the PJ Tour has always been a a not-for-profit. And now they're going to have a, a new for-profit framework. Um, there's there's not a lot of talk. I actually listened to the CNBC interview uh, with Yasir and Jay Monahan, and they said maybe in the next couple of weeks they should have an official framework in place. So we don't know what this is going to look like. If it's going to be a still the PGA Tour as it is, live golf as it is, or are they going to all merge together to create a mega tour? Um, there are so many questions out here. But as RB mentioned, the most shocking development in all this is. 
I don't, I mean, what would you say? Maybe three, four players knew what was going on. All, all big names, Colin Morikawa. I mean, he tweeted, he had no clue what was going on. And and this seems to be a, a common theme in professional golf right now. These guys are all learning about this at the same time we are. And that to me is shocking because the PGA tour is supposed to be run by the players. And instead it's literally Jay Monahan, the Saudis. Um, I, I do find it interesting that Rory has been very quiet over the last couple of weeks, which would make me think that he knew what was going on. And the only reason why I say that is because Yasir and Jay Monahan mentioned that Jimmy Dunn, which is just completely shocking to me because of, of Jimmy Dunn's connection to 9-11 um apparently he played peacemaker of at least in some sort of way to help bring these parties to the table to create this merger i mean it's, it's just shocking to me it feels like a movie i i'm still waiting to wake up from this when i saw the cnbc story i i was like this link can't be correct it's going to take me to some bogus page this is somebody <laughs> playing a trick on me but it's not it's real it's going to happen i want to unpack the gear stuff but yeah it it is stunning the players having no clue it just coming right out of nowhere it's a shocking turn of events for for professional golf well, let's think about this one for a second. And this is all stream of consciousness because none of us have prepared anything. But so how much are the players that stayed with the PGA feeling like chumps right now that they didn't cash 100%. in for $100 million? Because something tells me Liv's not going to give that money back to Bryson and Phil and Brooks and all of these guys. These guys who went to live literally get their cake and get to eat it too. I mean, they win twice, and the PGA Tour loyalists, in a sense, got screwed because they didn't they didn't take the money grab. They stayed loyal to the PGA, who, by the way, just went scorched earth on live for the last year, and and now, I mean, you got to be pissed if you're a if you're a top twenty PGA player who stayed loyal to the company and and towed the company line. And then this is how it ended up. I, I don't know. That's that. I I I bet you there's, you know, some bitter individuals. But the best tweet by far was Brooks Kapka saying, um, "Welfare check one. on Chambly." Welfare <laughs> check on Chambly. It was so good. Oh man! I mean, that, I mean, you talk a about a guy tweet. who backed himself into a corner. How does how does he get out of that corner? I mean, does he go does he go comment on another sport? Because you, you you can't. You can't he's been doubling. Da- you talk about blindside. He's been doubling down for the last two or three weeks. If we're, if we're going other, through, through like favorite tweets, um, shout out to to Max Meyer, who's a senior out editor over at. Point bet USA, who this one's amazing. He said, Live Golf just pulled off a Michael Scott paper company in real life. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you out there that that have watched The Office, that that one will will hit home. But that's it, it is it is true. I mean, there so the one thing that I did want to point out, Dan Rapport from Barstool. Uh, mentioned that if live golfers wanted to go back to the PGA tour, that he was hearing that they would have to pay a fine of some sort, which would then, it seems very confusing to me. Like if there was a merger, why would they have to pay a fine to go back to the PGA tour? If the, the leagues are merging or do you have the PGA tour 
and then keep the live golf model and have your, you know, formula one style with the teams. And it's then just the best players in the world playing team golf. I, you know, again, so many questions, they'll eventually be answered, but we can't answer them today. Well, I mean, a merger is a merger, though. You know, a merger means that two sides are together. And by paying a fine, that would seem to, you know, indicate that it's not a merger, that, you know, you, you were either in one league or another. I mean, it it seems like Liv's going to peel off the top players. And, it, you know, it's a me- now here's another interesting angle from a broadcasting standpoint. Does CBS, NBC, do they all just jump in now because they, one they, thing- so, they had no idea, right? Yeah. Like I say, we had, we had a call. We had, a, as you can imagine, <laughs> the, 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 the Slack channel for a media organization, uh, t- it was melting. A, yeah, it was melting. <laughs> Um, it was, it was like a snow, yeah, snowman just got pushed out into the desert. Um, it was insane. It was nuts. And like, you know, we, we had a call, a call and apparently none of the media organizations around knew had any idea this was going to be something that was going to happen with the PJ tour. So, you know, I, I've seen a couple things. It's like, you know, were there eight, were there five, how many people, how many people were in this room? Like how many people decided the future of golf? Like, or at least like, you know, golf at the, the highest professional paid level. Like what, like what? what does that look like? You know, and, you know, let's not forget, you know, 360 something days ago, the Canadian open took place and live London took place. And Jay Monaghan went on, was it uh, Nance of CBS and said, you know, no one's ever had to apologize for being a member of the PGA tour. And 365 days later, he's on CNBC announcing this thing that, you know, he dealt in a back room and gave himself a bigger job. Like I do not, I do not think, as someone who is designed to, who's who's supposed to be helping run a players run organization, uh, to you know cut everyone's legs up underneath them and then give themselves a promotion. Other than the fact they took all the money, like I don't see him surviving this like at all. And not only that, like he is, oh, he's got to he's got to survive. Come on, RB. He, I mean, th- this deal doesn't get done unless Jay has assurances that he's he's going to remain in place. I mean, well, Yasir's it, 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 is now his boss, but. There's no way. I mean, Greg Norman's out. You could hear yeah. it in the interview. They asked, had he spoken to Greg Norman? Uh, yes, here. I mean, that the interview was pre-recorded, but he kind of fumbled over his words and said that he had told Greg just before the announcement was made, which, you know, if you're finding out, if you're Greg Norman and you're finding out at almost the same time as everybody else, that's not good. You're out. No, I mean, to, to use the good. succession comp again, it's like, you know, are we taking the golden parachute or are we going to, you know, we're here for one more rodeo. And I, I don't think they're going to let, I don't, I honestly, I, again, this is opinion right now, but I, I just, I don't see how he's supposed, and again, it's the Canadian open week this week. He's going to, to I'm going to be there tomorrow. And you're going to be got there. My, got my media pass here. Let's see how many questions I can actually get to ask uh, or anything. Uh, you know, I'll be the, the hey, excuse me. Do you hear about this new putter group? I made that joke, but um, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> there's not going to be a lot of polite hello. Oh, I'd, lo- I'd love to ask you a question, Jay, at the uh, at the players' meeting, which I believe is today, uh, later this evening uh, in Toronto, and then I would they're pay going to- so much money. Oh my gosh! In that meeting, the the amount of yelling and screaming that's going to take place by by players who who back right, the PGA Tour and back Jay Monahan only for them to only for him to like you know do a switch around um, is going to be pretty interesting. And so you know it, we're. The news is still coming in. There's a lot to. There's a lot of other parts to this, but uh, yeah, it's uh, to your point, Gene. 
phone. I was, I'm sitting there just like, you know, doing my normal Wednesday or Tuesday thing now, putting like putting articles into our channels and like making sure that stuff goes up and all of a sudden the phone goes off and I was like, oh, great. Another one of those meme account things went viral. Great. This is fine. And I'm like sitting there like, you know, making a peanut butter sandwich for my daughter. Uh, and, uh, I'm like, Oh wait, no, that's a, there's a check mark beside the CNBC. Now this, maybe they pick something up weird. And then, Oh, Oh no, this is real. And it was like the, what's the, 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 there's the other meme where like the people like, Oh no, it's happening. And the alarm goes off and everyone runs out and people go to drawers and grab guns and everything. It's like, no, no, this is really happening. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I guess it, this is what professional golf has become when I'm just, uh, even more entertained by the four majors than anything else. If I'm being, being very honest. I'm so well, glad. Or right, go ahead, Gene. I was just going to say to play devil's advocate, you know, Rory came out and I can't remember it all blurs six months ago, nine months ago and said, you know, the two sides need to merge in order for this to work. And, you know, so there's, there's been an understanding even for the players, but what, what's amazing is, you know, back to the secession analogies, it's just been no, 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 no. Yes. <laughs> and, and they forced everyone to, to be like, there's no compromise. There's no compromise. I mean, none of us saw any chance for compromise and suddenly there was compromise. And that's, that's what was shocking is they forced the players to toe that line as well. And I think that, you know, unless they're going to financially compensate the, and maybe that's how they appease the top 20 or the top 25. That's so much money though, like that you're going to have to give to these guys. And then what happens to the guys that are below that top 20? I mean, they're going to be asking for like, I mean, maybe they weren't being courted by live, but like how far down do you go? I I don't know. I mean, this is all conjecture, right? But it, 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 that's the only thing that I could think that, that makes it palatable for these guys that you know because they were asked to stay loyal and the ones who weren't loyal were rewarded that that just seems like you know in in negotiations as you said Jay Wall this is supposed to be a players organization so you you've got to t- i mean if they're that tone deaf i'd be shocked right cuz that would be just i mean you 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 wouldn't have insurrection because there's nowhere else to go, but you'd have a lot of really unhappy, you know, contract workers. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. So I do want to unpack how this news pertains to the the golf equipment space. But before we get to that, I do want to point out that there's one group that has to be absolutely overjoyed by this news. That's got to be the USGA and the RNA. Because Oh, by the way, what's coming up? U.S. Open. And what was going to be a major talking point at the U.S. Open? The golf ball. Do you think the golf ball is going to be a big topic at the U.S. Open? I don't think so. It's going to be all about this merger. And I think that I think that's going to be the perfect time for the USGA to be, well, I think we're good. We don't have to really talk about it this week. You guys don't want to talk about the, the big news of a potential equipment change because... You know, there's going to be this big merger going on. It's just the timing of it for them could not have been better. Now, does this end up like a, a, a Twitter deal where like Elon Musk comes in, he just wants it, he wants it, he wants it, and then he gets it. And it's like, uh, oh, this isn't very good. <laughs> 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 maybe maybe I shouldn't have spent all that money on something. And again, 
you know, the, and here's the other thing, and this is like again, like convoluted, I guess, but like the thing that's like, it's, it, I don't know, it just makes me kind of sad. Where it's like, is this, is it, is just, does it every, does literally everything come down to money? And I know oh, the yes. answer. I know yes. the answer. answer is yes. yes. <laughs> I know the that that's the thing. Like the the thing is like I know the answer is yes. But it's like, does nobody want to stand on like any type of like some type of moral or any type of like you know? I, I just it's this odd like conundrum, right? And like, you know, I'm I'm in a I'm not in an odd position, but like I'm a I'm a Canadian person. Like I I mean I kind of sit neutral on this whole thing. Like you know, we have companies that sell arms to countries all over the world. Like I'm not going to sit here and be completely blind to that. Like I'm not an idiot. Um, but yeah, like you know the golf, the golf as of right now the golf ball is like like the person at the party like no one wants to talk to you right now like that conversation is like oh, over sure. there and it's like okay yeah, well, no, nobody's, nobody's gonna want to no. talk about it it's it's uh I hate even using the reference it's like Kanye's like yo 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 I'm gonna let you finish but let me tell you about this over here <laughs> right like it's it's this crazy like you know there's all these, there's other there's going to be this massive trickle down effect of like what this actually means. Um, like how much power does the USGA have when like the PJ tour is worth all of this money now and all these other yeah, things, exactly. right? Like live in the PJ tour are now in bed together. And also with the DP world tour, I mean, you're exactly right. What happens? I mean, th- there's, there's strength in numbers. And if, <laughs> if they have all three say thanks, but no thanks. I mean, what, what does the USGA do in that situation? I mean, I guess they could still continue on with their golf ball and tell players, if you want to play in our majors, you're going to have to use this model local rule ball, but I don't think we're going to get a whole lot of, a lot of chatter from them next week. I don't think anybody's really going to care because no. it's going to be a, a distant second in terms of most important topics at the U S open. You know, it was, it was funny. I got a, I got a text from a friend of mine who doesn't play golf and doesn't know much about golf, but knows what I do. And, reached out and said, you know, is this good or bad for golf? And I said, well, you know, it's complicated. I said, um, I said, you know, Saudi Arabia is a, is a, uh, is a, a complex country that, that has some troubling records. Um, but, and I said, but a lot of the companies that belong to the PGA, you know, for sponsors do business with Saudi Arabia. So therefore, you know, create some some even greater complexity. And if it really rose to a level of, you know, kind of social justice, um, there should be a boycott like there was in South Africa, you know, in the 80s and 90s. And then I said, oh, who am I kidding? They supply three quarters of the world's oil. Just joking. <laughs> Nothing matters. And that's the reality. That's what I was thinking about, RB, when you were talking about it, is they're the 800-pound gorilla. And because they're the 800-pound gorilla, they can they can move, you know, sentiment in directions that that normally would not be the case. Um, and because of that, to circle back to what you were saying about the golf ball, I think that's going to be really complicated for the USG and the RNA now is that you you do have this three-headed beast now that can suddenly you know make decisions that are really going to affect um kind of the the you know the the main message of the USG and the RNA is the game is an equal playing field whether you're an elite professional player or beginning amateur and you know they've obviously hedged that bet with this local rule but if nobody buys into the local rule what does it matter at that point 
So yeah, yeah. And I had a, so, I, I had a yeah. I had a conversation with someone about like you know every country has their own golf organization, right? And it has to do with handicaps and all like clubs and all of these different things. And you know, similar to the USGA or the you know, at the time the, the DP World Tour basically ran a, ran a deficit until there was a Ryder Cup year every other year and they filled their coffers with enough money to, to kind of continue to operate for the next number of years. Right. Like that, that's kind of almost a bit of a known understanding up until this point. Right. And you know, there's Ryder cup implications. Now there's all of these other things like this, like they're not giving it, not giving it back to Henrik Stenson. Like they, Luke Donald's going to be able to keep that. Right. But how do these companies, how do these companies, how do these organizations, right. Maintain power when no one's listening to them, right? Like you can go stand on a soapbox all you want and talk about history and do all these different things. And I'm not saying that I agree one way or the other, but you know, if, if you say that you want to do this, but no one's listening to you, like how much power do you have? Right. Like power only comes when people we'll listen find out. to you. Right. Yeah. And, and it's like, um, and, um, yeah, I don't know. Again, I, I could open up a whole can of like, you know, political, oh, we, we could spend here. an entire podcast just, but just on, just on this. Yeah. I don't really want to I think, continue. I think to, we are. <laughs> well, we're, yeah. we're going to, we're going to eventually get to RB had interviewed Rose Zhang and Rose had, had a week, which is really unfortunate that this news is coming out because in before before all of this, before this merger, the coolest story in golf, or I shouldn't say the coolest, but the the biggest story in golf, in my opinion, was was Rosang winning in her professional debut. And we'll we'll get into her gear a little bit and some insights that RB was able to glean from that interview. But anyway, the other thing I wanted to mention about this PGA Tour Live Golf merger is is how it's going to affect the equipment companies in the short term and then in the long term. In the short term, I think this is a is a huge sigh of relief for the OEMs because when Liv was created and they started handing out all this money and guys like Cam Smith and Brooks Kepka and Dustin Johnson all decided to take the money and go, it put the equipment companies in a really difficult position because it, they pay these big names lots of money, but they couldn't promote their guys like they they normally would based on these deals they weren't getting the same exposure as they were on television anymore and so you essentially had this these albatross contracts hanging around the necks of these major manufacturers and it's like what the hell do we do with these guys thankfully brooks kepka wins you know he, he wins a major championship and shrixon is able to to shout it from the rooftops because it's a major and so you're you're able to justify well he's a live golfer but this is a major championship so because we haven't seen the OEMs do any sort of promotion for guys when they w- win a live tour event they've been very cagey and very cautious when it comes to live um, as I spoke to Rob Waters who's the the head of tour for Cleveland Shrixon he had mentioned that that they do have some guys out there helping with players like Brooks Kepka but they just don't have the same number of reps. So now that there's this merger, I would assume that the equipment companies are going to be able to promote these guys. They're going to all of a sudden become relevant again. You know, Dustin Johnson's no longer going to be an afterthought for TaylorMade. Um, so that in the short term is what I think you're going to see is, is these equipment companies start to trot these guys back out into commercials and Christmas cards and all the things that we're used to seeing them. Now, what what the hell is going to happen long term? Because if you look at, you know, let's say that Liv stays in its current state, I think that this totally allows equipment companies to look into the possibility of creating F1 teams. You know, this is something that was that was being kicked around 
when Hideki was being courted is people were saying, well, what would happen if Hideki went, you know, they have these other Japanese golfers does, you know, does a Cleveland tricks on come in and create a Cleveland tricks on team. I think now that you're seeing a merger between these two, I think it's very real. I think it's a real possibility that you see the equipment companies become major sponsors, just like a formula one team. And you would have team TaylorMade, team Callaway, team ping team Titleist, on and on and on because the wall, the, that wall that was there has been broken. And so now you can say, all right, the two are in liver merging. We can proceed with, with, you know, any sort of contracts or, you know, see who's going to be the first to pull the trigger and, and make one of these teams. And then everybody will follow suit. But I think that in the long term is going to be the big question is, do we see the equipment companies create these teams and, and sort of how are they going to fit into this new, new ecosystem between live and the PJ tour except for Patrick Reed no one wants Patrick Reed <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's some guys out there that that have um, although I will tell you the one thing that did make me really happy and I was thinking about this during the PGA championship you know every sport needs a heel you, you got to have some guys out there that you just don't like and I, I felt like when when players like Patrick Reed um, Bryson to some extent, Pat Perez, you know, some of those like that have a little bit of a, of a bad boy side or they're very outspoken. You need those guys. You, and the PGA tour sort of just became this really sterile environment where you had a bunch of good players that were really nice. And, you know, that was fun, but we missed, we missed those players. We missed even Phil Mickelson. Um, you know, I can't wait to see if we see the Phil of old, you know, the one who, when he was in the interview room, you were, you know, you were captivated at times by the things that he said. And then after everything with his comments, Talon Shipnuck, you know, allegedly as, as Phil, you know, as Phil said, he, he didn't say, he didn't say those things on the record, but do we see the old Phil, the one who just shoots straight from the hip? And I think that could be great for golf, bringing a lot of these personalities back and, and bring well, them all underneath one umbrella. Don't, don't forget Billy Walters, who's the famous gambler's book, is supposedly. Oh, I know it's coming out soon. I cannot wait. It supposedly, you know, spills the tea on on Phil and his complicated friendship with him. So that it'll be interesting if Phil has a renaissance for a month or two and then goes right back. But you know, one of the things I was thinking about when you were talking about that, and and I, I agree with the F one concept, and and I agree with all that, but. One of the things that's intrigued me and we've talked about on the pod over the last few months is how because Liv watered down the PGA so much, there was a shift for the OEMs to kind of social influencers, professional athletes from other sports, and um, kind of, you know, more real people as opposed to these gods that are, you know, professional golfers that people could relate to. And I, I and I honestly don't know, but I'm kind of curious, was that just a little social experiment that's going to go away that, you know, was just a stopgap measure in the meantime? Or are we going to go, you know, are we, or was that successful and proved that you can move the needle with smaller, um, you know, uh, influencers from a, a, you know, exposure standpoint, but more relatable 
um, to be able to sell your equipment? Or are we just going to go back to the business as usual, watch a guy hit it 320 yards and go out and want to buy that same driver, which has been the model for the last 40, 50 odd years. So that's going to be interesting to watch where the OEMs allocate their uh, advertising and marketing dollars and and how they try to seed their campaigns moving forward because they they've only got so much money that they can spend. I think from a, a social influencer perspective, I don't feel that's going to change, to be honest. I think if anything, like what this does is it almost makes the makes the PGA tour seem like not unattainable, but like seem like a a platform that is of of higher excellence or whatever you want to call it. Um so I think that the, the from the influencer side, I don't think that's going to change from a relatability perspective. And and the other thing is too now, and this is like you know part of the the for profit model that I guess is being that is said to be being created at this point is the PGA tour is worth a lot more than any of these OEMs, right? Like that is a like you know whatever the the PIF is, has spent like billions and billions of hundreds of billions of dollars on soccer, and you know. Titleist and Callaway have made one billion dollar in, in like revenue or whatever. I can't I can't remember the exact generation, but like basically a billion dollars in revenue a quarter. So they're making like let's say four and a half billion dollars a year. Um, that's that's nothing, right? And it comes down to that, like you know, as um, as Don Draper says in Mad Men. I'm just gonna I'm gonna keep I'm just gonna keep using like classic show references at this point. Is like he says to Peggy, like that's what the money's for. Right. Like this, that's like, why didn't I get credit? Why didn't I do this? Why? No, because that, that's what the money's for. It's like, we, we all benefit and that's what we, that's why we pay you what we pay you. Right. Um, and so I think from the OEM perspective, I think that this gives them the opportunity. And, and there are some companies that went a little more aggressive than others, like Strixon put Brooks in their ads and, and decided to do that. And he was one of the most high profile players. Cobra completely dropped uh bryson now there was probably some other reasons for that as well i know he's pretty difficult to work with from a club perspective but then you have companies like ping who have not openly they don't market with it they don't say anything but they haven't changed their stance or contracts with bubba or lee westwood which i, I know bubba's on like a lifetime contract you can, they did a press release about five five to ten years ago now like you know he'll always be a ping staffer and they have had reps out there. Like it's not a hidden thing. Like there's, there's, there's a reason why there's like 12 to 15 G430 drivers in play on any given live event. <laughs> like they're not just walking into stores and buying them. Like they are out there actively like helping players get into product. So, or they're working with them at home or whatever it happens to be. So, which again is like a, an interesting stance. We'll put it that way. Um, but like it's just it is it is what what it is at this point, right? And you no, know, um, we're just kind of along for the ride, right? Like it kind of like if you think about how much I, I feel like I'm rambling a little bit, but like if you think about how much money is involved, you're like, who the hell gives it's a crap? Stream of consciousness at this yeah, point. Yeah, who the hell gives a crap? What I would say at this point, just, like or anybody. Or questions are, are coming into our mind. You know, I the one that I keep going back to is like, how is this going to change the schedule as a whole? Are we going to see, you know, Rory was There's, mentioning recently, like he was lamenting the, how long the season was. And that was one of the reasons why some guys went to the live tours because it had a proper off season. And, you know, we used to have that professional golf used to the tour championship was sort of that hard stop. There were some, some events, but there was, there was a lull there where you had some time to recharge, get excited. So when the season rebooted in January, at Kapalua, 
there was there was some excitement behind golf returning to television. So do we see that? I, I have no idea. But anyway, th- those those are the questions where I just keep thinking about it, and they they keep coming into my mind. But anyway, there's so much to talk about on this topic. Again, we we could spend an entire pod. We could spend two pods talking about this. But I do want to get into Rose Zhang's gear because this is a really cool story. So for those yeah. that don't know, Rose Zhang. 12-time winner at Stanford. She she tied Lorena Ochoa this year for most individual wins. I mean, she she is one of the the best golfers. And that was even before she teed up in her professional debut debut at the Mizuho Americas Open at Liberty National last week. And she's won the Augusta Women's Amateur. She has an incredible resume. But we all know making the jump from amateur golf to professional golf, there's a little bit of an adjustment period there. We we very rarely do you see somebody who's even in- incredible at the game. I mean, Tiger Woods did it when he was at the the Greater Milwaukee Open, and you know he he played really well in his first pro event. But you just don't see it that often. And here's Rosang; she contends all week, and she ends up beating. Jennifer Cupcho in the two hole on the second hole of a sudden death playoff to win in her pro debut. First time since 1951. That's that, um, that somebody's won on the LPGA tour in their pro debut. I mean, just a really cool moment to see somebody who's going to be the face of women's professional golf to see her validated all in her first, first win. She is a Callaway staffer. Um, RB, you had a chance to chat with Rose in advance of her of her first professional start. And you did a story for golf.com on three pieces of gear advice. This is a cool story, man. I, I love this. I love the servicey angles when you're able to talk to pros and pick their brain on topics that are going to benefit. What are some of the things that stood out to you from talking to Rose? Well, the biggest thing is she doesn't, she's not, she's not too much of a tinkerer, right? And I think to your point, like she's um she's someone who really doesn't change that often but she does change when it's, it's necessary and you know um before we get into like everything else that kind of she talked about because there's a lot of stuff about her potter and her ball the one thing that you should look at changing is your grips if you haven't done it yet so you know we have to let you know that golf, that uh fully equipped is brought to you by golf pride because golf pride knows that a grip just isn't a grip it's a piece of performance equipment that is part of your golf clubs and part of your entire set whether it be your driver or your wedges or even your putter and a big thing when it comes to the top of your bag say your driver or anything else that you know you're trying to swing as fast as you possibly can uh research and testing has proven that with the right grip with the right size with the right texture and all those other things new grips can help you gain extra distance because you're swinging confidently you're swinging more comfortable and when you're looking for comfort there are lots of options out there if you're someone that wants maximum comfort there are grips like the cp2 or the cpx which is their newest and softest performance grip yet which uses a bunch of different textures on the grip built into the grip you have little dimples you have raised ridges kind of think of like your old bmx bike uh, handlebar grips uh, to help reduce pressure help reduce tension so not only when you are are able to to swing the golf club faster but you can swing it more often right so if you go and practice you can practice longer your hands aren't going to hurt and you get that with a grip like the cpx or on the other end of the spectrum you have something like the mcc which is the chosen grip of john ron the winner of the masters this year and 
or something like the the Tour Velvet Core, which is the was used to win the PGA this year as well by Mr. Brooks Kepka. I can say that they can't. That's not part of the ad copy. We can't. You know, I can tell you that stuff. Um, but you get when you get a core grip, you get all the texture, you get all the all performance, all weather conditions that you can handle. You can throw with that grip. You're going to get the traction control from that. And whether you are looking at something that's going to offer you maximum traction or maximum control, you can go to golfpride.com. Use the code fully equipped. That is F U L L Y E Q U I P P E D to get free shipping on your next order. That's available for all U.S. orders, and there's no minimum purchase required. So you don't have to buy a full set. You can buy a whole bunch of different assortment and uh, and give them a try. So uh, as always, thanks to Golf Pride for the support, and uh, head to golfpride.com to uh, to snag your free shipping on your next order. So yeah. Anyways, back to Roses Clubs. Um, after that lovely transition. Yes. I totally <laughs> forgot. Sorry, Golf Pride. I love you. The transition back is hard. RB never I, forgets. I was mesmerized by the Golf Pride. I was still listening. I thought that I, <laughs> I I thought we were going into a news piece on that. That was that was well done. I think the uh the one thing that was the most well, so again, I talked about a couple of different interesting things, but the, the first one was her golf ball. So she actually uses uh, a tour-only golf ball from Callaway. Uh, and the reason is, if you look at the way that the you know golf balls are generally geared towards uh, players at the higher end of the swing spectrum, for in most cases, right? For Rose, she is not the longest player on the PGA Tour. She or the LPGA Tour. She is dominant based on approach play and short game, and kind of the little things adding up to the the, the great value of the sum of all its parts. And what she found was she was using the Chrome Soft X, and it just wasn't spinning enough on approach shots that she wanted. She wanted more grab, and I think this is really important when people talk about the ability to stop shots. And, you know, we did our golf ball testing. We showed a huge difference from uh, even just half wedge shots, what that means for control and stopping power. And when you have stopping power, you know, she puts a huge premium on that when it comes to the short end of her, of her set, because she's hitting a lot of wedges and, you know, we, we saw it at Liberty national, right? Like she got up and down so many times. She didn't make a birdie. Didn't make a birdie on the, on, on the final round and, and still went on to win. That was you know, tougher conditions and everything like that. But, uh I thought the the way that she worked, she was so in tune with her golf ball, really played into the idea of you know all the testing that we just did on golf balls, right? Like, yes, you can go a certain distance, but like the ability to have short game control is crucial. Like, what was what was the spin differential? Yeah, on, the, the delta on like was the half 3, wedge, thirty three hundred RPMs between the lowest and the highest spinning. And think of how long a golf ball is in the air. Like that's that's revolutions per minute, right? So a golf ball that is in the air for you know, 12 seconds or not even like six seconds on like a short pitch shot. Think of how many more revolutions that is and how much more stopping power and, and inertia is built into that, that grab when it hits the green. Right. So we'll we being able about- to, like we mentioned last week, being able to, to account for that, you know, that's the important thing is professional golfers. They, they need to know what their golf ball is doing. And we said that about, I mean, weekend golfers do as well, but when you're, playing for that kind of money you need to know what your golf ball is going to do if it's going to check and where it's going to check and how it's going to roll out or if you want to just hit one that's going to drop and stop you you've got to know what it's going to do you can't just leave it up to chance which is when you have a 3300 rpm delta between highest and lowest you can leave a lot up to chance if you don't know what your golf ball is doing well and there, there here's a little inside baseball or should i say inside golf for an equipment podcast uh a name that maybe a lot of people don't don't know, but really one of the influential 
figures in in golf balls. Eric Loper, um, he was the head of golf balls at TaylorMade, and he was hired, I think, about two years ago to take over head of golf balls at Callaway. And it was a big, big switch because Eric had been at TaylorMade pretty much his whole career and then, you know, making a switch to Callaway. But I've been following the Callaway ball since he's made his, his, his switch. And what I've seen is a lot more product separation that to your, to your point, uh, both of your points, um, the golf balls have become really distinct entities, whereas they were a lot more closely aligned in years prior. So he's done a really good job of really kind of making unique uh, uh, skews that, that, that have unique performance characteristics. And I think he'll continue to do that as he goes on because he's still just kind of getting his feet wet, but that allows tour players a lot more options and especially and I'd like to hear the rest of what Arby has to say because I think for the average player, the LPGA is more representative of their game to really find out what works, what maximizes distance, what they can control. Um, you know, the the yardages that they that they hit their irons and their clubs are more realistic to the majority of players than the PGA. And so I think there's a lot more relevance to, even though they're, they're elite at that level, you can still look at the performance characteristics and how they activate at these club head speeds um, that are comparable to amateurs as opposed to the PGA, which is just in another stratosphere. And and to that point, I think the, the next part of that, you know, transitioning from the golf ball to the to the rest of the short game. She really said she liked her putter. There wasn't a lot of like detail in that. You know, she's she's just quite like that was kind of one of her favorite clubs. But the the real interesting Odyssey, thing was Aussie five K triple wide for or double wide. Sorry for those that are yeah curious. yeah it was the one of the new, one of the newer models actually. Um, yes, but first of all, and you can go to the the world. We, so we weren't we had people on site of Liberty, but we weren't unfortunately uh, didn't get any club picks from, from Rose. Uh, but you can go to World of Wonder from Callaway. Head over there. Johnny Wonder's got a whole bunch of pics of her golf clubs. And the one thing that is unbelievable is the freaking wear marks on her short irons. It's sick. Um, which I did uh, I did ask Johnny for permission. And you can find those in the piece on golf.com. Uh, but if you're looking for a couple more pictures, you can also get, head over there. Um, but for a long time, she had used a 50-degree wedge. Like when I say wedge, I mean specialty wedge or wedge wedge. <laughs> um, that was more like the, the Jaws uh, style. And the the issue that she was finding was she was having about a 20 yard gap between that and her pitching wedge, which I think is a, is a, an area a lot of golfers will generally struggle with. And she was unsure about like how to kind of fill that gap. And because in theory, right. And this is a, this is a big one, which I think people need to like comprehend when it comes to not just hybrids to fairy woods or fairy woods to, to long irons, but in the wedges as well. We've seen this, this happen on the PGA tour um, in, with a number of players bags, but having a golf club that actually helps with that transition. So for her, she switched from the, the wedge wedge or the specialty wedge to the apex U wedge or a wedge. I think I can't remember what, what Cali called. I think it's called the a wedge. So it goes from the, the, wedge the, to the It is the AW. Okay. So they use the AW. Um, but in reality, it's just a 50 yard, it's a 50, not 50 yard, 50 degree wedge. That is more like the iron. So it has more of the technology. It has more of the, um, 
the, the center of gravity location as well, which can help with, with proper distance capping and spin control and all these different things. And the one question I asked her was like, did it change your approach to your short game at all? And she said, no, like I still chip with it. Um, and, and that is the one thing that I hear from people. So all oh, the, the wedge is too hot to chip with. Okay. Well, let's go talk to someone who's like way better than you and see what their opinion is. Who's probably way more in tune to their equipment. It's just that, no, you're probably doing something different when you have that club in your hands. That's like subconsciously creating a difference. And it, it completely leveled out the gapping. So she has that 10 to 12 yard gap uh, in her clubs, in her short wedges all the way up when she's making full swings. And she didn't change anything. She didn't change her swing. She didn't even change the loft. She just changed the attributes of that golf club, which I think is for a lot of players, really important to think about when you are going through the process of looking at equipment, because, and you know, it's the same thing. We just did wedge testing. I know we, I talked about the ball and that, this was not intentional. You know, I'm just, we'll, we'll call it the, uh, the segue, the segue, uh, very good at this right now, but, uh, like we saw it in the wedge thing, right? Like, when you t- when we tested, that was the most impressive thing I thought when we saw the wedge testing was the difference in launch. Not so much, sp- like spin was a variable, but like launch and distance traveled. And yes, it might not seem like a huge like variable to be like, you know, this wedge carried five yards further or whatever. But for a player that needs that gapping, there is a huge opportunity for a transition club like a gap wedge or a sandwich to have that distance advantage by using the exact same loft and just switching the way that golf club performs. And for Rose, she did that with her, with the AW Callaway apex wedge. And all of a sudden gapping is, is through the bag and she hasn't changed anything. She just changed one golf club, didn't change her swing. And I think for like for golfers, that's a huge benefit to be able to think, okay, maybe if I take mostly swings at that, like I'm not chipping with it, even though you can, no one's telling you, you can't, that's a good option to go with. Because I think a lot of golfers struggle with that golf club and that distance. Yeah. There's so much you can learn from from Rose's setup. I mean, we like what was the what was the di- dif- difference in wedge distance? Like we tested the same loft. Um, I, I can't can remember you, the number. I can tell you really quick. I mean, because I feel was, like it was significant because it was like six or even like was a ball, seven yards. Was a ball speed. There was a ball speed. Um, uh, like the difference in ball speed between uh, lowest and highest was six miles an hour. That's huge. That's yeah. like twelve yards. Yeah. And let's see. So that equated to, in this case, we had the lowest distance overall was 94 and the highest was, yeah, 104. So a 10 yard, a 10 yard distance. Massive for players. That's huge. Oh, it's huge. And especially when you're talking about wedges. I mean, that is, that is massive. That's the difference between, you know, landing one on the front of the green or you know completely fly in the green now this is now uh last but not least because again she had she uh you can go to again you can check out the piece of golf.com uh but the one thing that i i asked and i completely i i'll, I'll admit that my my oversight when i was talking to her um was i was like what major are you uh, like what events are you most excited for this year i know like she's playing the the women's Canadian open which is out west this year uh in bc and i was thinking okay like you know, you're obviously playing in the, the, the U S open, which is at Pebble beach. And it's like, how are you, are you excited for that? And she like, so I, I thought it was like the most subtle, like very polite as she was, uh, on the, on the call when I was talking to her was, uh, actually I, I, I have the competitive uh, female course record out there. And I was like, Oh, what a, what a 
awesome, sick brag that is. Like you must be a very excited flex. to be playing a, yeah, like super flex um, to be able to say like, yeah, um, I'm really excited to play in the, the US Open. Uh, and I'm really excited because I also currently hold the course record at 63, which is the female competitive course record and the men's uh, competitive course She's record. She's going to win, by the way. 61. She's going to win going away. Well, I, I mean, I, that's that's like her. That's like a home course. I mean, Stanford's just right up the road. So that's what I mean. Like, if she's yeah. if she's got the women's competitive course record, I mean, even without that, I thought that she had a good chance to win. But yeah, knowing that she's going to win, running just going away. Like to your point, as as like a greater like comparison, like yes, like Lydia Ko won as an amateur. At the, I think she won the King Open as well um, as an amateur. I think it was the, I think that was one of the events that she won as an amateur, but. The, the most insane thing about like, you know, not only for Rose to like make the transition, but like, you know, Sunday night, like, or in the afternoon, like she spent 20 minutes talking to me and then she got off the phone, probably spent 20 minutes talking to other people. And she spent doing, she did so much media leading up to it because that's part of the job and all of these distractions and all of these different things that, that like go into making your pro debut, especially in the social media era, like Tiger Woods came out, sat at the table, was like, Hello world. I'm, I'm here to like kick all your butts now. Um, but then she did it. <laughs> like she, she actually did. like came out and did it. And like, it's one thing to come in as someone who's like, again, extremely impressive feet as a teenager, like I'm not even like that many years into being a teenager to go out and win as an amateur for Lydia Co. But then to be able to go through the process of all of this hype, like all of this build up and build up and when is she going to go pro? Is she going to go back to Stanford again? And then doing all of this media that is required in in this, the media era when you have these contracts and you have all this other stuff that comes along with it, which as Don Draper says, that's what the money's for. And then she goes out and wins and wins in a playoff um, against uh, Kupcho who like, you know, hit that first putt, like blew it way by. And kind of at that point it was a bit of a foregone conclusion, but it was an impressive debut. And I'm, I'm just, I can just say that like from, from everything that has, transpired in the last like four hours and like thinking about all of the stuff that's going to take on with the PGA tour. I'm like just as excited on the other side of the spectrum to see like really what is happening with the LPGA tour and, and someone like Rose Zhang, who um, got a lot of like, great tournaments coming up. we got ball straw and uh, Pebble beach for the majors. And I'm, I'm just really excited to, to like kind of dive into that right now. Here's the future, the future of the LPGA tour for sure. Well, and, and not to throw a little controversy in, but it's like, you know, back to the ball rollback. The game's never been stronger, right? Now we've got a new face of the LPGA, live in the PGA, have, you know, united. Why screw it up now? Why roll the ball back? You know, we, we, we've got all of this momentum going in the right direction. Why, why make a change? I think they'll come to their, I think they'll come to their senses. I, I really do. I don't think the USGA, especially with this new tour live merger, I think eventually they're just going to say, "All right, we've we've done our due diligence. We've talked to to all the you know all the important parties, and we've just decided that we're going to table it. We'll you know keep monitoring it, and maybe we bring it back up again down the road. But for now, just leave it. That would be rational Wishful thinking, maybe. <laughs> so. Well, one more thing. I'll say yeah. one more thing before we get off because we are leading the U.S. Open. We'll, we'll talk next week. But the one other thing I saw from um, Mirfield this past week, which I don't know, I touched. We touched too much on last week as well. Was the burner just keeps rolling? Like it does. It's shocking. Adam it Scott is, had one like, last this, week. Like, these drivers are coming. These mini drivers come before, and it kind of asks the question now. And then, yes, 
that's a very like singular specific golf club. But the question which I've I posed, it was one of the first pieces I wrote for golf.com is like, is the three is like the traditional three wood in many cases dead? And I think for a lot of amateurs, just like you know, looking at that 50 degree wedge, not that you need to go and buy like this this one golf club. I understand like this is very specific to like one golf club, but I think the 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 way people are gapping their golf clubs now and the way they look at their sets can be very different than it used to be, especially with the driver being this like ballistic weapon that is just designed to go as far as possible. Coming back to the golf ball, um, having something that is smaller and doesn't go quite as far but offers forgiveness off the tee that's not a 200 cc three wood or 185 cc three wood. It's almost in like 1.5 or 1.6 times larger than that. Uh, it's a benefit. Players are seeing it. And I think this is, this is the modern world of, of fitting technology, like technology and, and, and understanding data and understanding how you approach a golf club because they've come out in the past and they've done okay. And, but then the secondary market takes off because people just want them. But now like there's just this like continuous momentum. And I think there's going to be more of this trickle down. Uh, when it comes to building out your golf bag, because I think it, for longer, even not just longer players, but shorter players as well, to have a club that's more controllable off the tee if they if they struggle. But for longer players who are like, when was the last time I hit anything that wasn't like a mid or long iron into a par five? Like I'm not hitting a three into a par five. That's a that's a not a statistically like great option. And and what's the difference between laying up to a? Uh, I understand like you know people, the stats will show like you know if you get it with 50 yards it's better than being within 100 yards. There's a lot of trouble around the green. You know being at 70 yards and, and hitting a wedge is probably a safer bet. So, but even at that point, most players are so long they're not worrying about that anyways. So um, I just I I think it's it's this weird thing that I keep seeing. I, I was shocked when I saw them on, on the range at Mirfield, and I just think that I think more golfers are going to benefit from just thinking outside the box when it comes to their club setup. Yeah, you might not be able to find uh, a burner mini. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah, Arby's laughing because they they just they don't exist. You not on the website, they just them, completely, but you just yeah. can't you can't find them. Yeah, they they're sold out everywhere. I've been hearing from golfers; they cannot find the burner mini. Um, Shout out to my friend in Norway, which I know, Gene. You're you're you've just been there right now. He messaged me two weeks ago. He's like, "Can you get your hands on one of these things?" And I said, uh, "He's like, we're sold out in in Europe because like they have a distribution channel that they go through." And I said, "I got one," and you know. I was sent a sample and to be honest, I'm not sending it to you in Norway. <laughs> I'm keeping it because <laughs> it seems to work very well right now. Um, but yeah, I, th- I don't know. I think it could be to the point where they could be making, they could be, there could be so much demand at some point for this, by the way it's going that they'll just be like, you know, maybe this is something we need to add as a product, like going forward that like is added to like the driver line. So they just come out with a driver. They come out with a smaller version almost right away, which could be very fascinating to see. Yeah. There's, I mean, let me see. So right now, a I just checked on eBay just to see what was going on. So oh, there is curious. a there's a pre-owned, so it's it's been used burner mini eleven and a half degree with the Mitsubishi Kylie Blue, and with an hour and fifty three minutes left, it's at four hundred dollars. That's uh, I think and I think it's probably gonna go up another twenty percent. So you're looking at five hundred bucks, which is kind of nuts potentially. Yeah. I mean, potentially that's, yeah, I would say, yeah, four, four $500 is, is probably your, your going rate right now for, for a burner mini. If you want one. Makes you think of the, the hats block he had at the, uh, at the PGA, <laughs> the raw hats. Yeah. I had like, I yeah. had like six of those yeah. things and they were selling at the, at the peak. I don't know. A couple weeks ago. Now they were like, people wanted them for like 150 bucks, 200 bucks. It's impossible like, to oh, time man, the peak RV. I'm just, I'm just time you it. know, I, you gotta, you gotta sell the cards when you get them. You gotta sell crypto when it's high. You gotta, you gotta do all yeah, these things. It's or impossible. Else. You just, Can't do it. Or, 
what does Homer's, what Homer's stock guy say? Homer's stock guy say in The Simpsons? Uh, he goes, I told you to sell all your pumpkin shares before Halloween, not after Halloween. Right? You know, it's worthless now. How many more show references do you need today? I'll just we, keep going. I, I think I think that's I think that's a good place. Those the show references were good, but I think it's a good place to end it. All right. Yeah. So that'll do it for episode 193 of Fully Equipped. As always, if you want more gear news, check us out on social channels. We are at Fully Underscore Equipped on Twitter, at Fully Equipped Golf on Instagram. As I also mentioned, RB is going to be at the Canadian Open this week, and next week he's going to get his first taste of U.S. Open golf. LACC. I was there last year, remember? Oh, you were there last year. I snuck okay. around. I snuck around. I snuck you around a little bit. He did sneak. Came, maybe that's came why. in for a couple of days. Maybe that's why you you did. You you snuck around. We'll that's say right. official. So not, we'll not say a first, first official U.S. <laughs> Open. <laughs> hopefully, the, hopefully the SGA is listening to this podcast and noticing that RB was sneaking around last year. Anyway, yeah, that'll do it for this week's episode. Thanks as all for listening. We'll see you. Right